know God, that they'd know Him. That's like straight up, that's the like base level, that's God's heart for all people is that you'd know Him. And, and for us, Sunday service is a place that we create an environment where lost people come to know Jesus. And I'll tell you, in the last month alone, we've had 48 people, last month, 48 people say yes to following Jesus. Right, that's amazing, right? Nearly 50 people. The month before, we had 101. The month before that, we had another 100 and something. Like, it's just a place where lost people are getting found all the time in our Sunday services. Right now, we're running one of the largest Alpha courses we've ever run. There's around 80 people right last night starting Alpha, uh, which is why? Because lost people are getting saved, and they're going into a program that's going to help them get discipled along the way. And so uh, that's God's primary purpose for people is that they'd first and foremost know Him. If you don't have that level done, you can't really go on to the next ones. We, talk, we say things like, uh, we, we believe that God's heart is that people would find freedom for their journey. That's the next step, that people would find freedom. We talk about our small groups being a place where people can go and in the commun- context of community, deal with their junk, deal with their stuff, and actually take steps forward into the life that God has got for them, finding freedom along the way. The other uh, part of God's purpose, God's heart for people, is that we would discover our purpose. We believe that every single person on this planet is created with divine purpose. There's no accidents in the economy of God. God doesn't work like that. You're not an accident, and neither am I. Praise God. Some of you might think that's not right, but I'm not an accident, by the way. God made me the way I am. We believe everyone's got a, a divine purpose over their life. And so you, you've got to discover what that purpose is. And until you discover what that purpose is, you'll never be satisfied. You'll always be restless. And for us, our growth track is the way we help people discover the gifts, the personalities, the passions that God's put in them to discover their divine purpose, right? And then the last step along the journey is that people would uh, make a difference with their life. That God's desire is that you don't just live for you, but you live to make a difference in this world. God didn't give you a purpose that you could keep purpose to yourself. God gave you a purpose that you can make a difference in someone else's life, that you could be a blessing to this world. And so our dream team is one of the ways that we create to allow people an opportunity to use what God's put in them to make a difference in the life of somebody else. If God's put a gift in you, it's not for you, friend. It's never been for you. It's always been for you to use to bless someone else and make someone else's life better. Until you're doing that, you'll never be satisfied. So here we go. Let's, let's just go through, maybe the next slide come up. Let's go through this. God is talking to Jeremiah. Before, I, before you were born, I knew you. Before you were born, I, I knew you. There's this relational component to God's conversation with Jeremiah. God's saying, hey, hey, before you were born, I knew you, but we're beginning a relational dialogue now. You can get to know who I am too. You see this, this whole idea of, of Jeremiah, it's not just about God knowing him, it's now about Jeremiah knowing God. There's a, uh, there's, a, there's a connection, there's a relationship that's starting in, in here. Then I consecrated you. See, this word consecration, it means to set apart. It means to make right. It means to purify. It means to set away from the old stuff, the bad stuff, the wrong stuff, to clean, to cleanse. That's what it means. And so in Old Testament uh, times, you'll read it as you go through some of the Old Testament books. You'll read that t- at times where God speaks to the leader of a nation before they're about to enter into uh, the future that God has for them, maybe a promised land, maybe about to enter a city that they're gonna take over. And God says to them, you need to consecrate yourselves before before you go into this. So the leader gets up and goes, hey, Israel, 
consecrate yourselves before the Lord, before tomorrow we shall go and take. See, it's about getting yourself right before you step into what God has for you. It's about finding freedom from all your sin and your junk. Before we're gonna step forward into our God future, we have to deal with our now. We have to deal with our yesterday. Deal with your sin, repent, cleanse yourself, purify yourself, get rid of all that junk, and then you'll step forward. So you'll never go forward into your God future until you're done with your past. You never will. If you're still stuck in your yesterday, you'll never walk into your tomorrow. And God's got a much bigger future for you than you're here and now. God wants to take you into an expansive, open future. I appointed you a prophet. This is God revealing to Jeremiah his divine purpose. There is a purpose to your life, Jeremiah. Your purpose is, I'm telling you what it is, you will be a prophet. That's your purpose. There's a gift on you. There's a grace on you. You're gonna hold a position and your job is gonna be to be a prophet. That's your purpose. That's why I put you on this planet. That's why you exist. And then going up beyond that, so that's his purpose. Going beyond that, he's gonna be a prophet to the nations. You're not just a prophet for yourself. I'm gonna use you as a prophet to make a difference in this world. You're gonna be a prophet to the nations. You're gonna be a prophet to speak into lives and places and nations and situations to bring order and correction and rebuke and, to, and alignment. Well, you're gonna be a mouthpiece for me to make a difference in the people that I placed you in. You're gonna be a prophet to the nations. See, that's God's vision for Jeremiah and that's God's vision for people. God's vision for people is that they know him, they'd find freedom, they'd discover what purpose it is that God made them for, and then they go on and make a difference for him. And you never stop that journey. You never stop that, you never, listen, this is the great thing about this, you never arrive. You don't get to the end and go, cool, I did all those things, now, now what? No, 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 it's a constant journey of refinement and, and growth and progression, and God will keep, keep, keep molding you and shaping you and, and growing you. And, and here's the, the question I have for you, if that's God's purpose for people, then can I ask you, friends, a few questions in this room? Do you know God? First of all, like, examine yourself. Do, I, do you know God? Is, God? is God your God? Is He the God that you communion with, you have relationship with? Or is He the God you hear about and sing about and talk about? Do you know Him? Are you taking steps on your own journey to find freedom? Are you, are you like, are you still hanging out in your past or are you going, I'm taking the steps I need to deal with this. I'm forgiving, I'm repenting, I'm changing, I'm living different, I'm getting community to help me. Are you doing the things that you need to do to find freedom for your own journey uh, along the way? Have you discovered your purpose? Have you discovered that you're not worthless and meaningless? Have you discovered that God's put something inside of you, a gift, a grace, a, a passion that's on the inside of you? Have you, do, have you learned what that is and discovered it and realized you're made the way you are because this is the way God wanted you? It's an amazing moment when you read a little thing where you've ticked a whole bunch of boxes and then it, you read it back and it tells you who you are and you go, wow, I make sense. That's why I'm the way I am. That's why God made me the way I am. That's because there's, there's a purpose to my life. And then my last question is, are you making a difference with that? Or have you kept it to yourself? Are, are you the kind of person that's gone, man, I know, I'm, I'm a man. life is about me. No, 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 it's not about you. You'll never be fully satisfied until you use what God's given you to bless somebody else and change someone's life. Use what God has given you to make a difference. Are you making a difference with it? Have you started to serve somebody? Have you started to love somebody? Have you started to step out and say, God, here I am, use me, send me, do what you wanna do, and actually move with that? That's just verse number four and five. Let's go to verse number six. You guys with me? I, I, cool, 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 cool. Verse number six, then I said, our Lord God, behold, I do not, if you're an underliner, underline those words, I do not. 
Ah, Lord God, behold, like God doesn't know. Behold, I do not, I do not know how to speak, for I am only, underline that too, I'm only. I am not, I can't, I don't know how to speak, and I'm only a youth. Have you ever been eating dinner with somebody and they looked across the table and noticed that they've got something stuck in their teeth? Have you ever been there? Can I just make an agreement with all of us? If I ever have something in my teeth that you will tell me, please, I'll tell you if you tell me. Like, don't be that friend that doesn't tell me. All right, if you love me, feed my, no, tell me, feed my teeth. Like, clean my teeth. Like, don't, don't let that happen, friends. It, 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 be the friend that helps each other out, man. But you know what we do when we see that? Like you're eating dinner and someone's got like spinach is the worst. Like, or that green leafy mescaline salad. They'll, they'll get in there. Baby spinach in the salad, man, it's all up in there. Seeds, poppy seed, man, it's in there. So when you see that, you know what you do, right? Because we're all so polite, you don't say anything because you're a, a bad friend. <laughs> what, you, what we do is we don't, we stop thinking about them and their situation and we worry about our situation, right? Because we think if they've got, a, like, we stop, we stop, we take our eyes off their problem. We think maybe I've got a problem. Maybe I've got, a, what's this wrong with me? You start chicken and cleaning your own teeth and then you make them paranoid. They start going, as well, like, do, do you know that we, we kind of do the same with the call of God when God calls us to something? He's like, Hey, I want you to be a prophet. And we go, we take our eyes off what he's saying to us. We start going, but I'm not, I have not. I can't, what about me? Like we start to look at our own self rather than keeping our eyes on what he's saying and what he wants for us. We start going, but I don't and I can't and I haven't and I haven't got anything and I just don't, I just don't know, know what, 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 I can, what I can do here. And so Jeremiah has this little moment where he's like, I, I, I don't. And he says two things. He says, uh, I don't know how to speak. It's funny that he said that. <laughs> he, says, he says, God, I, 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 I don't know how to speak. And, and here's, here's the thing. If, if, you, if you think the call of God is about your own ability, you'll always find an excuse why you can't. I'll say that again because you need to hear that. If you think the call of God is about your own ability, then you'll always have an excuse why you can't. See, I've learned that there's this little cosmic struggle going on between you and God and me and God. And it's a constant struggle around this whole thing called trust. Where it's like, I'm learning to trust God, but then I've, and then I've got to take on, on myself, I'm gonna to learn to trust God, and, and we, we could do this back and forth, but I trust you, but then I wanna, like, like you either trust God or you trust you. Two options, you trust God or you trust you. And this is the dance we do, this is the battle we have with God. And you never arrive one day and go, God, I now trust you. This is a daily, this is a battle, man. You're gonna go back and forth on this thing. You're gonna, it's, it's a journey, learning to trust God, right? You're gonna learn to trust. You, it, it takes time. It's a bit of a journey because it's gonna come back and forth to you, right? And, but this is the whole thing. You've gotta learn to trust God. And so when God calls you to do something and our instant response is, is, is when he says, like he says to Jeremiah, he says, I've called you to be a prophet. And Jeremiah instantly goes, but I can't, I don't. What he's doing is saying, I've gotta figure this out. 
This is about me and my own thing, so I've got to trust me. I'm not, and so we don't, he doesn't quite trust God that God's going to do what he says. And so we all face, face this battle. When God calls you to do something, even if that's like go and talk to that person or go and share that or join that ministry or give, like be generous in this offering, this is what happens. We start to go, God says do that thing. He calls us to it. And then internally we start to try and calculate it and figure it out and go, well, if I give that much, well, if, how am I going to do that and do the sums in my, my brain? That Like giving is a great example of this. Like giving is a trust issue. That's all it is. Giving, like being generous and giving an offering and like doing tithes and offerings or whatever, paying weekly tithe, it's just a trust issue. Because if God says, I want you to go ahead and do this, I want you to be generous in this way, we go, can I, I've just got to figure this out myself because we just don't quite trust God. We don't trust that if we do what God's asking us to do, that He is big enough to take care of us in every other way. So we're trying to calculate the sums and do all the math to try and figure out, can I actually do this and step into what God is calling me to do? See, if you trust in your own ability, here's the thing. If you trust just in your own ability, you'll never experience God's abundance. You'll never experience the God of more than. You'll never experience the God of exceedingly abundantly above. If you only trust your own ability and your own ability to figure it all out, you are selling yourself short of the over and above of what God does in your life. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about opportunities and places you'll go and people you'll reach and places you'll end up finding yourself where you sit there and go, I really shouldn't be here, but by the grace of God. If you only trust your own ability, you'll you miss out on the abundance of God. God is so much bigger than you think He is. See, here's, here's what I want to say to you. Like, God didn't call you because you are able. He called you because He is. <laughs> he didn't call you because you're able. I'll preach over here for a while. <laughs> he didn't call you because you're able. He called you because He's able. If you were able, if, if you were able, you'd get glory. God doesn't share glory. If you were able, you'd get glory. Because you're not able, he gets it all. The other thing he says is this, I'm only a youth. I'm only a youth. I'm not, I can't, I don't, I'm only. See all these excuses that we love to make when God calls us. Now some of you right now, God's calling you to something, and this is, the, this is your dialogue. I'm not, I can't, I'm only, blah, 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 blah. It goes on in your head. This is a trust issue. You've got to learn to let go of that and trust God. He says, I'm only a youth. And, and here's what's funny. The, the, for a long period of your life, you will feel too young. And then in a split second, you'll feel too old. <laughs> no one can figure out the moment when you're just right. I've spoken to many people. I've spoken to many leaders, many Christians. No one could tell me the moment when they were just right. They were either undercooked or overcooked. There was no medium rare. Like, you, you'll be like, I'm too young, I'm too young, and then like all of a sudden you'll be too old. There's no happy medium. This is why you've got to understand that our heart as a church is, is for all people. Like, I'm just as passionate about young people fulfilling the call of God as I am about older people fulfilling the call of God. This is not about an age thing. You, you listen, all your life, and age, your age will always be your excuse, because you'll either be too young or then you'll be too old. We need to get over the age thing, stop saying I'm only this, stop saying I'm only that and start to trust that God will use you. I want to say young people, 
Young people in the house, and you can include yourself if you want to, whatever you want to do. Young people in the house, I want to tell you, we believe in you, we champion you, we honor you. You're the future of the church. You're the future pastors, future leaders. You are the future stewards of the church. We will never be ashamed about going after young people and building a church with young people. We'll never be ashamed of that. You are the future. Go after it. Don't stop. Don't settle. Don't fall. Don't get quit. Just go for it. Go for what God has for you. Old people. Just going to look at the roof as I say this. You can, you can preach to young people. You start preaching to old people, people get offended. The Bible says the gray hairs are the glory of, you know, something like that. I keep my hair short so you can't see them. I want to tell you, if you're, if you're the older generation, I want to tell you equally, we love you, we champion you, we support you, we think you're amazing, we honor you, and if you've got a pulse in your neck right now, it means you're not done and neither's God. So I want to tell you, stop quitting, stop saying I'm only, stop saying I've had my day. Listen, God's got a call for you, believe for more, ask for more, step into more. If you, come on, come on some old people, say amen tonight. Here we go, here we go. I would never get away with saying that in other situations like, oh, people say amen, yeah. <clears throat> My wife is giving me that look, going, babe, stop. <laughs> Too much. Okay, verse number seven, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth. Power your words, friends. Do not say I'm only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. To all whom I send you, you shall go. Can I, can I tell you, friends, that the people and places God sends you to won't always make sense to you. Like, if, if, if God was trying to make sense of this to Jeremiah, he would have said, Jeremiah, I'm appointing you as the assistant youth prophet to the youth prophet of Israel to prophesy to the youth. That's what he would have said, he was trying to make sense to it, because that's his people. That's his people, his young people, but he doesn't say that. He says, I'm sending you as a prophet to the nations. You're going to prophesy to older people, younger people, all the people. They're all going to be your people. But it doesn't make sense to Jeremiah because he's a young person, right? This is the thing. Where God sends you, where God tells you to go, and what God calls you into won't always make sense for you. It didn't make sense for the Apostle Paul. The, the Apostle Paul is a Pharisee. He's a trained religious Pharisee. He's a part of the group that wanted to cru and did crucify Jesus. They're religious zealots. He is a converted Pharisee. The logical people that Paul would then go and reach with the gospel are the Pharisees. But guess who God sends them to? The Gentiles. He's like, I'm gonna send you to the people you're the least equipped to reach. I'm, like, the people that you're the least in common with, the least able to reach, you're gonna go look after those people. Why? Because it's about God and not you. And, and so he, that's what Paul has to do, is to go reach the Gentiles, those who are non-Jewish, the pagans, those who have other gods or no God, and those who are in this world. That's where God sends them along to. And uh, I wanna encourage you, friends, where God sends you may not always make sense to you. I remember when I was, uh, I, I got saved in about 2001. And I got saved in this church, but I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know anything about church. I didn't grow up in Christianity or anything like that. I met Jesus when I was 18 years old, and he just radically transformed my life. 
And after that, within about two months, I was helping a friend of mine, his name's Darren Warsfold, some of you might know him, uh, he discipled me for three years, and uh, he was my old physical education teacher. He called me and said, I hear you've become a Christian. I said, how'd you find that out, weirdo? And, uh, and, and, and he said, no, I want to disciple you. You've got to come to my house every, more, every Wednesday, 6 a.m., we're going to eat breakfast, and I'm going to teach you how to follow Jesus. He did it for three years, and uh, it was the most incredible three years of my life. And uh, apart from getting married and having children, that's been pretty awesome too. It's been, it's been really, really incredible. He's going to preach over this side of the room for a while. So he ran a club called Campus Life in his garage and, and on a Thursday night. And so we would go and we would just outreach to lost kids who didn't go to church. It was like, the, the club, the Christian club that we ran for kids that weren't Christians, they'd just get you off the street. We did that for like two years. And after a couple of years, I'd started getting involved in church. And I really felt, even as a young Christian, God stirring my heart for church kids. Like I just felt this weird stirring that for church kids. Because what I discovered is when I got saved, I came to church. I met a whole bunch of church kids that grew up in church and knew about God but didn't know God. And I was like, these, kids, these, these guys need Jesus. And so I had a stirring for church kids, stirring for church kids. And it didn't make sense because they weren't my people. The lost kids, on the, like the, the guys who didn't grow up in church, they were my people. And I went to Darren. I said, Darren, I feel God's stirring me to do this. I, I think I need a lead club. I need, I need to step down as a leader. And I was like one of his key guys. I need to step down as a leader because I feel God's stirring me to this. And he was like, Steve, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. I don't know if that's right. It just, that doesn't make sense to me. I said, Darren, I can't fight it. I can't shake it. I have to do this. And so at that point in time, it didn't make sense. But knowing what I know now and being where I am now, so how many years later that is to this day, maybe 19 years later, now leading this church, it was evident to me that God was stirring a heart for me for the church way back in those days. It never made sense to me then, but it makes total sense to me now. I believe some of you here today, you're here in this room and you are, you are, you are conflicted. You're worried about the call of God that's on your life. God's stirring you to do something, but you're going, it's just not my people. I just don't feel like, it's, it's doesn't doesn't make sense to me. It's not supposed to make sense to you. Some of you here, you're, you're New Zealand European, and you feel God leading you to the Chinese ministry. It's not going to make sense. You're like, I don't even speak Chinese. Great. <laughs> they, most of them speak good English. So like, some of you, you're older in your years, and you're, you're feeling a leading towards youth ministry and being a part of that. Can I tell you, it's not always going to make sense. Some of you, you're in a ministry right now, or you're in an area, and you feel God's stirring you to be a small group. It's not always going to make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. You're just going to follow the call of God over your life. Go to whomever he would send you. Verse 7 continues. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. I love the first part of that verse. Whatever I command you, you speak. Whatever I command you, you will speak. This is a really powerful statement. I don't want to undersell this. It's an incredibly powerful statement because here's the truth, friends. If you want your life to speak and to communicate the love, the grace, the goodness, and the truth of God, then first you need to hear from Him. You can't do that without hearing. Like, if you want to communicate something, first you need a message. I want to tell you, friends, get a message. Learn to hear the voice of God in your own life. 
Before you can go and preach and love and reach this world, first you've got to learn to hear the voice of God and do what He would tell you to do. For the budding preachers in the room, for those, and I'll, I'll speak to you guys just briefly. For the budding preachers in the room, those who are feeling called to ministry and to preach, can I say to you, don't ever think it's about crafting a sermon or bringing a good message or being a good communicator. Don't do that. Get a word. Get a word from God. Go before God and go before the God of heaven and say, Lord, give me a word. Give me something. that Don't, don't carry a good sermon. Carry a message. Carry, carry a word from God. For the budding songwriters in the room and our team, like, don't write a song, get a word. Don't, don't just go write a cool song with nice lyrics and stuff. No, no, get a message from God, hear from heaven, and bring something. See, if, if, you, just preach a, if you just preach a good sermon, like, a good sermon will inspire people. A word from heaven will transform people. A good sermon will inspire people. But a word from heaven will transform people. For those of you not on the platform, you don't, you, you, it doesn't matter, you're still a preacher. Everyone is a preacher. God's called all of us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, every one of us. You don't have to craft words, you don't have to manufacture moments, just get a word from God. Just get, learn to hear His voice, get before Him, and get a message. I don't believe God has called us to grow a big church. I believe He's called us to grow big people. Big church is a, is a byproduct of big people. And I, wanna, I feel God's stirring me personally, and, st and I feel like it's a corporate stirring to go deeper with Him. Like not to be satisfied with shallow Christianity, but actually let's dig in and go deeper with Him and be the kind of people who don't just walk around on Sunday being enough to get us through the week, but actually dig a well that's deep enough that we can get fresh water, we're getting the Word, we're getting inspired, we're getting the Word inside of us and living a life of power. Here, go deeper with God. Here's three things God's been saying to me. First one is this, intimacy equals anointing. Intimacy equals anointing. When I take my kids to the swimming pool, here's what I realize. The closer I get to the pool, the wetter I get. Right? Same is true with God. The closer I get to God, the more anointing I get. The more intimate I am with God, the more anointing that I can carry. So, you know, there's this, if you want more anointing, Stop praying for more anointing, just get more intimacy. Closer you are to God, the more anointing you're gonna carry in your life. Je Jesus, this story, Jesus up the mountain with a couple of his disciples, and, uh, and then he comes down the mountain, other disciples are down there, they've been trying to kick a demon out of a young boy, but the demon won't go. And Jesus comes down and he says, this thing only comes out with much prayer and fasting. So what does he do? He doesn't go pray and fast, he just prays it out. Why? He had prayer and fasting in the bank. He already had it in the bank, man. He didn't need to go get it. He already done it. There was a level of intimacy that created a level of anointing. And some of us in this room, you're praying for God to move in more levels of breakthrough. You're praying for the miraculous. You're praying for people to get healed. And maybe the reason they're not is not because of a lack of faith, but maybe a lack of anointing. Maybe it's an intimacy issue. So I, I encourage you, friends. I want to encourage you. Listen, I love, I love the big gatherings. I love big church. I love Sundays. I love gatherings like this. I love when a few hundred people come and just gather in the presence of God. I love it. I'm all about it, and I'm all for it. But here's what I do know. The intimate encounters with God don't come from the all-together gatherings. They come from the alone moments. And if you want to go deeper with God, go deeper with God. Dig the well. Get close to Him. Here's, here's the other thing God's been saying to me. Disconnect to reconnect. We are so connected, right? 
in like social media, and, and this is like the blessing and curse of our generation, is the social media generation. We are so over-stimulated, over-connected, over-drawn like, in by everything. There's like, it's, it's, a, it's a very disheartening thing when your phone shows you your screen time for the, the day. It's like, wow. Because we're so connected on these things. And God's just saying, listen, if you want to connect with me, you're going to have to disconnect from something. You know, like, I like to watch sport at home. I like stream sport on, like, the iPad. And there is nothing more frustrating than watching sport, like the All Blacks play, and then it glitches, and it stops, and, and, and it, like, it's a buffering. I'm like, this is, I'm like, everyone off the Wi-Fi! <laughs> because it's like, oh, it's, I'm not even using it. I'm like, there's background refreshes and app updates. Turn it off! This needs to reconnect. And it can't if you're all connected. I've got to disconnect to reconnect with the main thing. Friends, some of you are so connected to everything, you're, not, you're struggling to hear that connection. And your connection with God is always like buffering, 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 distraction, buffering, buffering. It's like you're never quite getting anywhere. It's because you're still so connected to everything else. You've got to learn to disconnect to reconnect. The other thing God's been saying to me is this, Steve, build, build the hour. Build the hour. And this is my challenge to you, friend. As a church, as a people, I want to challenge you to build the hour every day that you have with God. And I know this is a big challenge, but you're heart and soul. You're the hungry bunch. You're the seekers. You're the pursuers. God's been stirring my heart again to say, Steve, every day one hour. Every day an hour in the word and prayer and worship every day, an hour, minimum, trying to get a little bit more than that. But it's not so you can get up and go, hey, I didn't with the Lord today. And it's, it's going to a place where you can dig a well, where you're feeding your soul and God is speaking to you. So when you go out into this world, you've got a word. You, you carry something. I don't want to just be a Christian that knows the Bible. I want to be a Christian that carries the power of God. I don't want to be a preacher that preaches good messages and is a good communicator. I want to have a message that stirs hearts and changes people. You don't get that unless you go, withdraw, take your time. I want to challenge every one of you here today. Listen, an hour, you might be like, an hour? I can't even do five. Build, build an hour. Build an hour. Don't, you don't have to, like, you don't build a wall like, the whole wall of one go. It's brick by brick. So maybe the first brick is 15 minutes tomorrow morning. Maybe the next brick is 20 minutes and then 25 and 30 and you slowly build it up. As you, as you slowly build that up, you'll be surprised how fast an hour will go. You'll be like, wow, is that all? Get a journal, write, record, reflect. Make your Bible very dirty. I'm a big fan of that. Clean Bible, dirty Christian. Dirty Bible, clean Christian. It's somewhere in the Bible. The, the book of Steve. Chapter 1, verse 2. It's the only part I've got memorized. Get in, dig into God. Here's the last thing I want to say. And, and maybe can, can we all stand together? That'll be real cool. I'm going to finish real, real quick because um, 
we're, we're, I know we're at time, and I know you guys have got work in the morning, and some of you got kids here and stuff, and I don't want to take you out too long. Um, but if then on that note, listen, if you do need to slip away, absolutely slip away. Don't don't feel any pressure to stick around. Um, I'm so honored that you came and just spent some time with us and dug into God. And you are the seekers, you're the pursuers. My challenge is build the hour. Build the hour. Imagine a church. Imagine a church, maybe our size, where, where at least maybe 50% of the, of the people are spending a daily hour with God. Can you imagine that? Imagine like what could be possible. Imagine what would take place in your heart. Imagine what would shape and shift and change in your own life. Imagine what would happen in our community. I just think it's a powerful, powerful thing. Just this room, build the hour. Tomorrow morning, uh, I'm, I'm getting up at 5.30 in the morning because I want to spend my hour with God. And I've been, I've been here since 6.30 this morning. And I've been praying and working and writing messages for today and Sunday and did a two-hour Elon Leadership College lecture. And some of the students are laughing because it was the world's best lecture. I'm preaching four times on Sunday. I, I'm going to get that hour. Whatever you got in your tomorrow, you need the hour. I want to challenge you, even now, like, don't be afraid, you can take your phone out and set your alarm. Verse 9, then the Lord put out His hand and touched my mouth. Then the Lord put out His hand and He touched my mouth. And He said to me, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I've set you this day over nations, over kingdoms, to pluck up and bed and break down, to destroy and overthrow, to plant and to build. Before you step into what God has for you, before you step out to build His kingdom, before you step out to build the people in your small group, before you step out to tear down the works of the devil and destroy the things of the principalities and powers of this world, before you step out to plant seeds of righteousness and to plant good works and sow into the lives of people, before you do any of that, you need a touch from God. Jeremiah says, he touched my mouth, and then I went. Friends, every one of you here today, don't go, don't go, unless you get a touch from God. You need a touch of the Holy Spirit. You need His power. You need His grace. You need His anointing. You need the supernatural empowering that comes from a touch of heaven over your life. And what I'd love to do right now is I would love to pray. And we're just going to worship just for a few more moments. And... Um, and I want to pray for you to receive a touch from heaven. And listen, it's not. This isn't just about one moment. You you get a touch now. I'm gonna. I got. I already got a touch earlier. I was just like, man, this is just being in God's presence is a touch enough for me. But you get these these moments with God, and you go tomorrow and you dig an hour, you build an hour, and you dig a well. I'll tell you what, you get another touch there, and another touch. You got to get a touch from heaven. And uh, can I invite everyone just to take a moment, just to just to close your eyes, just be still before God. And maybe you're dry, maybe you're worn out, maybe whatever, but you know in the depths of who you are, there's a call on your life and you need a touch from heaven tonight. I want to invite, encourage you if, you, need, if you want a touch from heaven, just lift your hands right now saying, I need it, I want a touch from heaven, a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit to empower me, to fill me, 
to invigorate me, to inspire me, to fuel me, to download the wisdom of heaven, to give me the words to speak, the ability beyond my ability. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Lord, fill this room, Lord, touch every life. Lord, come, fall now, Lord, from the top of heads to the bottom of feet. Consume all together, Lord, to the very depth of who we are. Lord, come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray, touch your people. Fill them with a fresh fire and passion for your word. Lord, fill them with a fresh anointing to fulfill the call on their life. Touch their mouth that they'd have the words to say, their minds the thoughts to think, their hearts the love to give, their feet the places to go, their hands the anointing to heal, to help, to deliver. Spirits of generosity, of grace, Lord, touch them right now where they are. Bless each one, Lord, I say, move now, move now. Move, Holy Spirit, come have your way. In the name of Jesus, come. name of Jesus, come. Wash over this house, fresh your people. We're gonna worship just for a little bit. And I wanna encourage you, if you're, a, you, you're welcome to come down the front, you can come down the front. If you're, if you're spirit-filled and you pray in tongues while we worship, I want you to pray in tongues. Build up that spirit. Build up the spirit, man. Edify your spirit. Commune with God. Begin to just give Him glory. Give Him honor. Give Him praise. Come on, let's worship Him together. You are the word of the beginning. One with God. Beautiful night. 